top of the inning to you. Welcome to the Irish Baseball Podcast, brought to you by the Irish American Baseball Society. If you love baseball and if you love Ireland, stay tuned for a discussion of all things Irish baseball. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Irish Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Becker. Shortly, my colleague Jim Ward will discuss an amazing sound clip from Dodgers and Padres icon Steve Garvey that you will not want to miss. After that, I will have my interview with Steph and Gerard McCrory, who run the business from over there, where you can order care packages from Ireland. Steph also was formerly the general manager at Foley's in New York City, where they housed the Irish-American Baseball Hall of Fame. We will then go back to Jim with more Irish-American baseball history, but first, he needs to share this story from Steve Garvey. Thanks, Rick. Right now, we're going to hear from Irish-American Baseball Hall of Famer Steve Garvey. As a young kid growing up in the Tampa Bay, Florida area, Steve's father was a bus driver for the Brooklyn Dodgers, and he got permission for Steve to serve as the team's bat boy whenever the Dodgers were near Tampa. In this cut, Steve Garvey talks about some of the players who really made an impression on the way he would eventually play the game. You know, it was it was probably recent Hodges uh, because Hodges was a lot like uh, my dad. You know, soft spoken, six three, six four. My dad was about two twenty five, two thirty. Was a tackle out in Long Island, played semi pro football there. Uh, so their personalities and size, the big hands. You know, I kind of gravitated to. I also had a chance, dad had some charters with the Yankees. So being uh, near Mantle and then Maris was, uh, was pretty interesting. Um, had Detroit a couple times. My dad had Detroit, uh, uh, loved Al Kaline. He had a few, uh, had a few trips where we had the Cardinals because they were in St. Pete and being around, uh, you know, Stan Musial towards the end there was, uh, uh, was an honor. Uh, and of course, you know, Jackie Robinson, that, that first day as a bat boy, that was Jackie Robinson's last spring. So I, I, was, I was blessed to, to be able to bat boy, and he played that day probably half the game. But I was sitting next to Hodges and Reese talking about the Yankee pitcher and how he was holding the ball. Uh, you know, and they weren't wasting time on the bench. And I tell the kids, they weren't talking about where they're going for dinner or going out or this or that. During the game, they were watching the opposition to see if they could detect something that, that would help them. And in this case, this might be game six of, a, of the World Series that year. And Hodges and Reese may be facing the pitcher. And if he brought his knuckles up like this, it'd be a fastball. And if he did it like this, it might be a curveball. So these gentlemen studied the game, you know, and they were, you know, I didn't understand it that much at seven, eight, nine. But later on, you know, my dad and I would talk after a bad boy, you'd say, and uh, I would get to realize these men were really students of the game, studied the game. That's why they were such great players. That was Steve Garvey here on the Irish Baseball Podcast talking about the veteran players from the Dodgers that made an impression on such a young boy in his way to the major leagues and eventually be, in my opinion, a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's not there yet, but he is in the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame, which is great. But Steve, for me, was a guy that I looked up to as a Boston fan. When you've seen the Dodgers and Yankees playing for years, 
in the World Series there in 77, 78, I believe. They were back-to-back in those great years, the great runs of the Big Blue and the Pinstripes. Uh, Garvey was always at the forefront of it. Garvey, Ron Say, uh, uh, Rick, uh, and all the great players that they had out there back then. And, of course, you know, you can't, you know, of course, the great leader in Tommy Lasorda. But to hear Steve talk about Hall of Famers, uh, you know, that, just would study players like old poker players just looking for little gives and tells and things like that to so that they would be better when they got to fake go in there and face those guys i can imagine them trying to study you know uh, some of these legendary pitchers there that were in the national league and in the majors at that time you know it, it, and even today players still do it but they do it with film and back in the day they didn't have the luxury of film they had to do it with the naked eye and make those mental notes themselves and in some ways, I think those guys, you know, had a keen eye. I mean, the legendary Ted Williams had some of the best eyes in baseball. They said he could see the ball spinning and see the stitches on the balls that came in. You know, and who's to say I'm, he's wrong? I mean, being a fighter pilot in World War II uh, and being one of the greats in baseball, Ted Williams certainly had probably one of the best set of eyes I ever remember. I'm Jim Ward, and to catch the complete interview with Steve Garvey, go over to our website at irishbaseball.org. Let's turn things back over to my colleague, Rick Becker. This is the Irish Baseball Podcast. Thank you, Jim Ward. You know, Steve Garvey is a member of the Irish American Baseball Hall of Fame, which was located in the outstanding Irish pub, Foley's, in New York City. Sadly, Foley's closed as a result of the pandemic. Steph McCrory was the general manager at Foley's. When she was looking for a new job, she joined with her brother, Gerard, to bring a little piece of Ireland to those of us in the U.S. Steph and Gerard formed From Over Thera, where you can order care packages from the other side of the Atlantic. I'm Rick Becker, and Steph and Gerard are joining me now. Steph, let's start with your experiences with Foley's. Oh, yeah. So Foley's became unwittingly to me a huge part of my life. I came to New York in 2012, and it was just as baseball season was kind of wrapping up um, in 2012. So I really had no idea what I was walking into that day that I came in with a resume to Sean at Foley's. So um, he gave me a trailing shift and I started serving. I was doing hosting as well and everything was going fine. But I quickly realized that I was probably the greenest person in New York City at that time. (laughs) I literally had no idea what was going on. I had to leave my house I would say probably like an hour and a half before work just to make sure that I got there on time and that I didn't get lost. But, you know, they took me under my wing. It's a very close-knit um, restaurant. It's not your typical, you know, stereotypical cold kind of corporate restaurant that you may walk into in New York. It's completely different. So eight years later, eight plus years later, I was still there and I became general manager. Sean taught me everything that I know, that I think I know, as well as his, as well as his father, Papa John. He was always keeping me on, on the straight and narrow. Um, and then, unfortunately, COVID hit. And, I mean, you know, the restaurant industry struggled massively. And Foley's, you know, it, it really hit us hard. So Sean had to make the difficult decision to close our doors in June and that was, I mean, it's no exaggeration to say it did feel like a little bit of a death in the family, you know, because it had become we've such a huge part of my life. We became family, really. It wasn't ever, you know, a boss employee scenario. It was 
family. He met my family when he was in Ireland. He met, went to see my family. You know, it was just, it was the best situation you could ever hope for in New York. Hopefully 2021 will bring us all a little bit more luck. But yeah, that's it in a nutshell over the eight years. <laughs> so with Foley's focusing so much on baseball and having such a baseball vibe to it, Coming over from Ireland, was that just completely new to you? Was that something that you had just not experienced? Was it like a foreign language to you almost? It was probably more difficult than a foreign language to me. <laughs> Honestly, when I came here, I had no idea about baseball. Absolutely none. I knew it existed, but apart from that, that was really it. Now, I still, this day, I would not class myself as an expert on baseball either but I mean growing up we used to play this game in Ireland and I think a lot of Irish people would probably remember it called rounders so it was kind of a running joke when I first got here I was like oh it's just like rounders and then <laughs> I was working in the world series in 2012 and you know there was people were playing hooky to try and get in and you know there was a line around the block two and a half hours before the game it was insane so I quickly realized it was definitely not just a game of rounders that you're playing with your brothers and your friends out in the street at home you know baseball definitely is an obsession in the united states and especially in new york where it's the biggest sport in the nation's biggest city doesn't take too long to figure out how important it is to us over here absolutely and i actually, i think sean was telling me a few weeks ago that baseball is becoming the fastest growing sport in ireland at the minute so, you know, I think it's it's making its way over there. You know, it's making it's making its mark known. So it's definitely, um, you know, moving away from the, the rounders kind of stereotype that a lot of Irish people have, you know. Unless you come over here, you realize very quickly it's very different. But, um, yeah, it's a great sport. There's, you know, to me it's more than the actual game, you know. Like I said, I can't stress enough how much... Foley's is so family orientated so you know it's it's about relationships it's about building friendships and everything so beyond the game a lot of the people involved in in baseball you know they became my friends too you know and it goes beyond the innings and it goes beyond the scores and everything and I never in a million years would have imagined those people becoming my friends you know we we've all you know go through things and we all go through it together but you know, it's a great bunch of people. It truly is. Absolutely. Love hearing about that family atmosphere. And then once COVID-19 hit and the world sort of turned upside down, it really turned upside down for both of you. And you tried to find a way to just start making some money. And that's where we get into from over there, your brand new business, if the two of you could talk about how you got into this business and describe it for our listeners, I think they'd be really, really interested in what you're doing here. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Um, well, the first thing that we would say is that it's a it's a venture that we've both jumped into completely together. You know, um, we were both like terribly affected by COVID, as many people across the world have been. You know, we were just sitting, pulling our hair out, <laughs> figuratively and literally. <laughs> Uh, for, you know, a few weeks slash months. And we were just trying to think of ways in which we could keep afloat, keep ourselves busy, and sort of give back a little bit to the local community as well, in a sense. You know, because we're, we, we were raised in the, in the way that, like, 
you know, there's always somebody worse off than you. So you should always try to be considerate, respectful, um, you know, and offer and show kindness to, to people, you know. So that first and foremost is like where the idea came from. I mean, both of us have been away from home since we were, what, 18, pretty much. And so it's not new to us that we're spending a lot of time away from home. It, you know, it's just not, you're not able to go home. There's so many travel restrictions. So that kind of catapulted us to be like, you know what, when we receive a little thing from home if our family, you know, put something cute together for us, it literally makes your day. You open the box, you've no idea what's in it. You know, you're digging through it. It's just that kind of happy it just makes you feel good. It brings a little bit of cheer. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to change the year. It's not going to get rid of COVID, but it does just give you that little bit of a boost. And we all know that this year we, we need more of a boost than ever. So, you know, that's kind of where we put those two ideas together. And this is what, we came, this is what we came up with. <laughs> and, you know, on, on the surface, it looks like, oh, you know, Wes and, you know, and you're presenting your business and, you know, uh, in, a, in a pretty nice way, you know, the feedback we've received has been so rewarding because when we first started this, we were sitting like in the kitchen having breakfast and we were like, you know, the name of the business just came to us that that morning. It was just like, it wasn't like, it kind of just came naturally to be honest. And that sounds like we're making that up, <laughs> but we were literally just having a conversation and then boom, the name from over there, it came yeah. to us. And we were like, you know, it encompasses everything that Steph's just described and that I've just spoken about previously. And, you know, then we were like, right, we just got to make this happen. So that afternoon, we designed the logo. We uh, started working on the website. Uh, we started working on our graphics. We started working on uh, getting uh, a clear idea of what products we were going to use. It was a lot of trial and error, to be honest. Uh, underneath it all, we certainly want to connect families, yeah. you know. Because as Steph mentioned, like we moved away when we were about 18, you know, it's not always practical to get back home, but, uh, you know, having something like this, it can sort of, uh, you know, it can be like a socially distanced, yeah. like hug in a box, let's say, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, when the lockdown was announced in, in March and all the restaurants and bars had to close, we were both like, oh, you know, it's probably going to be two or three weeks. Let's just have a nice vacation. I haven't had a vacation in God knows how long. So let's, you know, it'll be nice little downtime. Nobody had any idea how this would play out. So it, the months just kept rolling by. And Yeah, we know. were like, let's, let's give it to June. But, you know, you know, we, we try to see, you know, the positive and opportunity in the struggle. Talking with Steph and Gerard McCrory from Over There is the business. So how can people get a hold of you? How can people look to see if they want to order one of these care packages? That's a good question. So we have put a lot of effort into being available on any platforms so that we can uh, reach as many people as possible. So you can get us on our website, which is fromoverthera.com. Uh, F-R-O-M-O-V-E-R-T-H-E-I-R-E.com. So that, that would be the main source. Uh, we are also on Etsy. You can also get us on social media with the same name of the company. And uh, you can see more pictures and things like that of all of our products. Thank you, Steph and Gerard McCrory, owners of From Over There. I'm Rick Becker, turning things over to my colleague, Jim Ward, who's bringing us a little Irish-American baseball history. Hi, I'm Jim Ward, the radio voice of the University of Southern Maine Huskies, and I'm also the co-host of the Irish Baseball Podcast. 
Today I'd like to tell you about an Irish baseball legend named Bill Kerrigan. Bill Kerrigan was born in Lewiston, Maine in 1883. His parents John and Annie Kerrigan were Irish immigrants who arrived in America before the Civil War. Young Bill Kerrigan made his Major League debut for the Boston Red Sox in 1906. Bill had played 10 years for Boston where he earned a reputation as one of the toughest catchers in the game. In fact, Kerrigan's nickname, Rough, was a reference to his ability and willingness to block home plate. Bill Kerrigan's greatest contribution to the game and the city of Boston came as player manager of the Boston Red Sox. In 1914, he persuaded ownership to purchase the contract of minor league pitcher named George Herman Ruth from Baltimore. Over the next three seasons, Kerrigan was Ruth's catcher, manager, roommate, and mentor. Ruth would later credit Kerrigan with helping him develop as a player, and he said Kerrigan was his favorite manager to play for. In 1915 and 1916, Kerrigan and Ruth led the Red Sox to consecutive World Series championships. Kerrigan remains the only Red Sox manager to win back-to-back World Series rings. Bill Kerrigan was posthumously inducted into the Boston Red Sox Hall of Fame in 2004. If you'd like to find out more information on Bill Kerrigan and other Irish baseball legends, visit our website at irishbaseball.org. I'm Jim Ward, and this is the Irish Baseball Podcast. That was Jim Ward. Earlier in the show, Jim discussed a great audio clip from the great Steve Garvey. We also heard from Steph and Gerard McCrory, who run the company from Over Thera. I'm Rick Becker. Thank you for joining us for Episode 6 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. You've been listening to the Irish Baseball Podcast. The Irish Baseball Podcast is a production of the Irish American Baseball Society. Visit us online at irishbaseball.org. And remember, there's no place like home.